Episode 31 God of Second Chances Part 3 Greetings and welcome to Christianity for Dummies Episode 31 God of Second Chances If you're joining us for the very first time, I beg of you to consider five things. Number one, these episodes have been building up on themselves, and so if you want a clear and precise natural progression of what we're talking about, it is important for you to go back to the beginning titled Episode 1. That way, you will better appreciate the journey we're on. Number two, please know that we are on a journey to discovering who God is, along with what it means to be a Christian. I believe this is the most important learning that we can do together and believe that our lives as well as eternal lives depends on it. Number three, we are going with the understanding and belief that all that is written in the scriptures is real, reliable, and trustworthy. In a world offering truth and alternate truths, white lies and shady rights and wrongs, it is good to have a form of true north in order to remain on track. We touched on some of the reasons you can fully believe that scriptures are reliable, but at the end of the day, everyone has the free will to decide for themselves whether to believe or not to believe. I hope you choose to believe. Number four. Please don't let the title detour you from paying attention to what is being discussed here. Humility is a quality that is very much missing in our society these days, and so it's okay for you to consider you know little in regards to who God is, along with what it means to be a Christian. And last but not least, number five, you are worth much, much more than you or anyone else will ever understand. In a society where abortion is used as a contraceptive, invasion of other countries has left rivers of blood throughout our history, to this very day, organized religion is majorly intrusive and exploits those who trust in it. Employees are considered a dime a dozen and made to know that they are replaceable. I mean, I could go on and on regarding the well-thought-through processes and systems that aim to devalue you so you may be exploited to the max. You get the point. If you're truly paying attention, no one is truly on your side at the end of the day. As dark as my statement is, I am here to bring you good news. No one can ever take away the worth given to you by your creator, regardless of every identity you have or all of your shortcomings. The one who created you rejoices over you and your worth is secure in his love for every single part of you. At the end of the day, the knowledge that you are loved beyond comprehension by your creator should thwart away at every voice that tells you you are lesser than or you will never measure up because of this or that or because you're unique, you're needed and you have a mission that only you can accomplish. And on that note, let us begin. Ladies and gentlemen and children of all ages, we have all at some point looked around us and asked, who am I? This question becomes pressing the older you get and adds on to itself with other questions such as, why am I here? 
What is the meaning of life and my life in particular? Is there a God and can we know him? What is love? How did we get here? Where do we go after we die? Do I matter? Along with other deep philosophical questions that I know I have thought about often. I want to carry out a simple exercise with you as we move along on this journey together. Take a good look at your life right now. I want you to carefully note what you think of yourself from those who are youngest in a group to the oldest. What do you think of yourself? Not just physically like I like or I don't like this or that about me when I look into my reflection on the mirror, but deep inside, what do you think of yourself? Maybe you will need to lie down in your bed as you ponder on these questions. Maybe you'll need to be in nature, maybe surrounded by trees. Maybe you're the kind of person that thinks best sitting near a body of water, stretching out as far as the eye can see in order to truly ponder the most important things in your life. Whatever you do, make real time to really, truly think deeply about these questions and ponder them inside your heart. Do you remember your childhood? What is your earliest memory? Who was with you? Parents, siblings, extended family, friends, etc., etc. Where did you live? So like the physical location of your house, all the surrounded you, country, continent, the grass, trees, other vegetation, rivers, mountains, lakes, etc., etc. How were the interactions between your family members? How about your friends and neighbors? What were the neighborhood dynamics? How did people communicate with each other in your neighborhood? Did everyone get along? Did you always have all your needs met? So, like shelter, clothing, food, maybe caregivers that loved you? Did you feel that you were loved? Did you have pets? Were there animals around you? Do you have any special or fond memories from your childhood? Do you remember your early school years? Were you considered as a smart kid or dumb dumb kid or maybe a so-so kid? Mediocre maybe? Do you remember making mistakes or maybe more precisely making bad choices? What were those bad choices? And what were the consequences, if any? Were you a mean kid or a nice kid? Did you bully others or were you bullied? What is the happiest, earliest memory from your childhood? Who was around to share that experience with you? How did you feel then? How do you feel now as you think about that memory? 
What is the worst earliest memory from your childhood? Who was with you? How did you feel then? And how do you feel now as you think about this memory? How did you cope? How did everyone around you cope? Please go back to the beginning of the questions and just maybe pause after each question and ponder for yourself. I grew up in a Salvation Army sponsored and ran school for the blind after my parents moved there shortly after my birth. This boarding school for some of the most undesirable children and youth from all over Kenya had a fence surrounding it with trees and thickets and some wiring as the fence safely securing us to some extent from the potentially dangerous outside environment. Trees surrounded the neighborhoods along with farmland and several different farm animals. There were some fruit trees such as mangoes and passion fruit along with many evergreens and other exotic equatorial plant life as Kenya is equally divided in halves by the equator. There are only two seasons in Kenya, the dry season and the wet season. Outside my little one-bedroom bachelor apartment, where my family and I dwelt, was the neighborhood's clothesline along with a chicken coop that contained our family's source of eggs and meats on special occasions. We also had a garden where we planted some food staples such as maize and beans, Swiss chard, sweet potatoes, arrowroot, spinach, potatoes, tomatoes, etc. From my earliest earliest memories, I can clearly feel the warm embrace of the love bond that was shared between my family members. My mother was your typical strong African woman that used to work 12-hour shifts at Del Monte Kenya Limited, or Kenya Kanas as it was then known, before returning home to embrace her role as wife and mother. My father first a librarian and then a teacher, had secured our dwelling place through being recruited as a choir master due to his musical talents or abilities. We didn't have much materially growing up, but what we lacked in materials paled in comparison to the love we had for one another. There are many life lessons I remember from my childhood, and I would like to share one or two that truly stand out from the rest. In my earlier years, I was told that I was quite mischievous. As the firstborn male between my parents, as I had an older sister and several other half-siblings from my dad's side, it was customary that I would be considered head of my family should anything happen to my parents and they were no longer alive. I remember my, my mom saying, Sam, right now you're young and doing whatever nonsense you want. But when you turn 12 years old, God will start counting your sins, so you better watch out. I am not sure how she knew that her words and life lessons would have a profound impact in my spiritual journey. As I remember reflecting, Oh, so you mean I can continue misbehaving and doing what I want? I must have been eight or nine at the time. That's until I hit age 12? 
Indeed, life remained normal until I hit age 12 and thought, oh, crap, God is now counting my sins. She, in a way that maybe only a mother can do, had awakened a spiritual curiosity and intrigue within me. Another such story was when I was in grade school in a particularly challenging boarding school. I had to attend due to my troublesome behavior and economical restraints financially from my family. All throughout my attendance, I used to run away from school, hitchhike while using the little pocket money I had with me to board a matatu and travel across the country's provinces in order to get home. I would always have an excuse ready to give to my parents when I got home along with some treats for my younger siblings. One day though, after I had taken off from school again and, and, and arrived home in the early hours of the afternoon, I was met with my dad who calmly asked me why I had returned home. My dad was a firm African man that demanded respect and discipline at all costs, but was also very gentle and loving. I provided some excuses along the lines of I got sent home because of school fees or lack of the proper uniform, an answer that seemed to satisfy my dad. My mother, on the other hand, a gentle, loving, caring Christian woman at times and a fierce lioness at others, didn't buy into my excuses, claiming that she had paid the school fees and that my uniform was just fine. Showing her ferocious side, she grabbed me by the hand and dragged me under the coastlines where she gave me some serious licks on my backside until the stick she was using disintegrated into nothing and she now used her hand to slap my behind as she wept while saying, Today, I will teach you why you should respect education and... Don't you know that if anything were to happen to your father and I, that you would be in charge of the household as the man of the house? And then she went on to send me back to school. Notably, that was the last time I ever left school without permission. I've included these stories and many more from my childhood in a memoir I am working on titled By Mine Own Hand, which will be published in the coming year. CFD's regular patrons will be the first ones to know. Both of my parents now are long gone, along with some siblings, aunts, grandparents, and many friends, some of them best friends. What I now have are the precious memories we shared, which continue to fade and disappear with each passing day. I have chronicled many events that testify that life can be very difficult within the pages of my memoir, to which I hope to inspire a generation to embrace their worth and always know that no matter what happens to them, God is in complete control. Maybe what Adam and Eve really needed was life experience as much wisdom is birthed through the growing pains of life's experiences. Adam and Eve had no way of grasping the magnitude of their disobedience unless they lived for hundreds of years and observed the real life playing out in real time consequences of their actions. The bliss of innocence that they were supposed to share was shattered when they put their own interests ahead of what they knew to be right. 
They did not consider the consequences of their actions, only what seemed good and right for them to do in their own eyes. They looked out for number ones, and we get to reap the bitter harvest of their choices. As stated many times, their actions have impacted all creation since their arrival and will do so until the right or proper time. Do you think that your choices only affect you? Well, think again. All our choices not only affect us, but they also affect those around us, for good or for bad. And if in a place of power, then the impact is magnified many times over. Taken as an example, Hitler, as I have probably studied this one man more than any other in history, simply due to his embodiment of what his evil looks like. In his zeal and relentless pursuit for his ambitions and convictions, many millions suffered and died, and some in the most excruciating pain, as his sadistic enablers enjoyed torturing men, women, and even children. When evil is allowed free reign, it takes on a life of its own, and the carnage left behind is like the path left by a powerful tornado that devastates a region. The destructive power of a tornado is nothing compared to the destructive powers of evil hearts. And to Adam he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate the fruit I told you not to eat, I have placed a curse on the ground. All your life, you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grains. All your life, you will sweat to produce food until your dying day. Then you will return to the ground to which you came. For you were made from dust, and to the dust you will return. My paternal grandfather, in his early married life, got a scratch from a poisonous plant one evening as he rode his bicycle home. The little wound on the side of his shin, between his knee and right ankle, got infected and very slowly but surely began to grow. My grandfather cleaned it, put herbal medicine in it, and wrapped it around, but day by day, year after year, decade after decade, this wound continued to grow and to spread. As he worked around the farm and took care of his animals, while trying to live a normal life, this wound continued to grow until eventually, after many visits to the doctors, he was told that if the infection is it's spreading up his leg and that at this point he should get it amputated in order to save his life. My grandfather refused, asking, how would I be able to ride my bike and make a living with just one leg? The answer is no. Well, needless to say, after many years of living in that state of discomfort and pain, the infection finally reached some of his vital organs and they shut down one by one. My grandfather soon passed away. My grandfather, just like most men in the world right now, worked really hard to provide for his family and then went where we all must go someday to the dust to which we came from. My grandfather was a form of blacksmith, 
specializing in farm equipment that even gave him his nickname, Majembe. He farmed the land, made a living from the hard work of fashioning these tools and selling them, got scratched by a thorn that eventually killed him, and we buried him next to other loved ones in his plot of land. His story is a story of many men. We farm, we mine, we toil through the days and nights in order to make a living and provide for our families until our dying days. This narrative, written thousands of years ago, rings true now, just as, just as it has throughout the generations, all because Adam and Eve disobeyed an exclusive command. Maybe someday we will know what the world could have been have they not disobeyed. But in the meantime, this is the reality. In my own life, as mentioned previously, I watched my mom work 12-hour shifts until finally succumbing to illnesses developed during her work that eventually contributed for her early demise. Or demise, pardon me. My mother was around my age when she passed away, and then there was my dad. My dad worked two to three jobs and would sometimes spend weeks when he would move from one job to the next and then back again in order to provide a living for himself and for his family. As stated, I had the real experience of my father exclaiming, Son, I am tired, before shortly crashing on his bed just to be awakened by his morning alarm or a phone call with a friend in distress that he must speak with. How is your life right now? Are you in school or out in the working field? Do you love your work? Is it fulfilling for you? If you could, would you choose a different career path? Do you wish for a different job? How tired are you when you finally get home and can put your feet up and relax? Do you even get to relax? Indeed, I can just simply come out and ask you, how is Adam's curse affecting you? With all that being said, we cannot put all the blame on Adam just as much as we cannot blame the rain for not falling where we need it. Adam is, in a sense, set up the natural cause and effect sequence of our lives, but we get to decide on how our lives unfold in the general sense by the choices we make. Even though Adam and Eve's disobedience brought forth all forms of chaos, each of us has a role in either perpetuating the problem by our own disobedience towards right choices or improving our environments by making right choices. This is a tall order, especially in a society that is speeding away from such things as biblical foundational truths towards egocentric tendencies, selfishness, and an unhealthy love for self, fame, and money. As long as we're not willing to go back to the basics of understanding who God is, as well as what it means to be a Christian, we're simply struggling for food and resources until we finally die. True life can begin immediately from someone willing to be on a journey such as the one we are on right now. There are a number of things that God could have done. Now that Adam and Eve had sinned by breaking one of God's laws, he could have given them an immediate death sentence, 
just as his warning mentioned. He could also have decided to start anew with a new Adam and a new Eve that could not disobey him, meaning there would be some kind of robots. Or maybe he could forgive them, knowing just how fragile they were, and as their loving father would do, cover their nakedness while still providing consequences for their actions. The sting of death is the most painful one, but in perspective, this was part of the curse, meaning that it may be lifted later on, but I'm going ahead of myself. As it is written, Then Adam named his wife Eve, which in Hebrew means to give life, because she would be the mother of all people everywhere. Yet again, there are those who would exclaim, You mean to tell me that we, billions of us, are all descendants of this one woman? That's not possible. And why not? Because science has proved to you that we're all descendants from ape-like creatures like Lucy and further from primordial amoeba? You must come to your own conclusions after putting everything to the test. There are those whose religion or religious affiliations is atheism and their holy scriptures, quote-unquote science, who worship at the altar of materialism and natural naturalists and hold a completely meaningless worldview of our existence. Be very careful, especially this day and age, or who, what, why, and where you put your faith in. Not everything being passed on as truth is really true, or what is being passed on as fact really is fact. You must check it out for yourself, and I believe that if you seek, you will find. You can either question what is being shared as science, really pseudo or junk science, or real science that can never disprove the existence of God or his text. Is it so hard to believe that we descended from people who look like you and I? I was playing with my son at the park a couple of days ago when two little Chinese girls walked up to me and asked, Why is your skin black? To which I answered, I was born this way. Then they inquired, How come you're black all over your face? To which I answered, I was born this way. A third time, after careful observation, they asked, How come the palm of your hands are a different color? To which I answered, You guessed it, I was born this way. Where did this concept of color come from? During a chat with the children's parents, I came to realize that in Chinese, especially Mandarin, there are no other words to describing the different shades of brown, and so it is a common saying for parents to say to their children, if you don't put your sunscreen on, you will become black. So we have millions of potential or potentially billions of people who every day teach their children this blackening ph phenomenon, but I have to believe without a malicious intent. We are well aware that skin pigmentation is correlated to the levels of melanin, which is contributed by genetic factors along with sun exposure. This is really why I am the color that I am and you the color that you are. For thousands of years in our history, we never discriminated each other because of the color of uh, their skin, of our skin. This is a relatively modern way of thinking to whose roots are disturbingly evil, and we can get to that at another day. 
The point I wanted to make is that you don't look at a cat and think, hmm, I wonder what horse breed produced that cat. Or look at a mosquito and exclaim, that must be a miniature version of the dinosaurs that used to roam the world. I know that man has successfully been able to breed different kinds of dogs or even wolves in order to create what we may seem now as new species, but that is fully a long stretch from thinking we can about from from thinking we can ab sorry we from thinking we came about through meaningless processes of evolution as some scientists would have you believe. I am not here putting down the contributions of science as I am a huge fan of the benefits of studying science along with the scientific, all the scientific developments I continue to enjoy each day of my life. But just like any other entity that is valuable, proper perspective and truthful analysis and is and should remain as essential guiding poles. Let's not get carried away and start believing nonsense as facts. Facts need to remain as facts. If you have a hard time believing that your ancestors, along with everyone else's, were Adam and Eve, ask yourself why that is the case. I chose to mention science as that would be the main argument I would receive, but by no means is science the only reason. Some people wouldn't want to believe that they would be related to other groups of people. God forbid. How could the queen accept that she is related to her black subjects in Somalia? How could President Joe Biden or Trump, for that matter, accept that they are as brothers to those from Afghanistan and Syria? How could President Netanyahu believe that he is brothers with the Palestinians living in the West Bank or vice versa? It is unfathomable that people and the above mentioned are just a sample of our populations, as we somewhat can all identify my connections here, would take the time and effort to accept this truth. It is much easier to gang up on the outsiders as we cling together, even though we would be much, much better off working together than apart. Many songs have been sung, many books published, many movies made regarding this notion of being united together under the banner of humanity, and I really do appreciate the effort. However, from these very first words written thousands of years ago in our Genesis, we see a real danger and vulnerability towards humans being able to follow instructions and do the right thing. Before sin ever exceeded, existed in the world, it lurked in the world of potential, just as many unseen potentials lay right on our periphery. Before a single event occurred in our world, the one who exists outside of time and space knew of all the outcomes and still chose to go ahead with the world we see today. Again, it may be easy for us to question God by saying, if you knew that by placing this tree of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, along with letting the deceiver come about in the form of a serpent, would cause Adam and Eve to fail and therefore lead all humanity and creation into chaos, why did you do it? And I need to validate that this is an honest question that indeed does deserve an answer. I can only give you what I have for now, which is this which is 
this was the only way of the best expression of love from the one who himself is love. When I finally, finally yank my child's hand from touching a red-hot stove, which I have told him many, many times not to touch, but he insists on wanting to touch it anyways, he may cry due to my forceful pulling of his hand from a sure burn. At the time, he may not process that it was through a great act of love that I pulled his hand from the hot stove and may only reflect on the fact that I pulled his hand. The stove itself is good as it helps make yummy food for him, but also comes with a great danger of giving him third or fourth degree burns. God knew of the consequences of their disobedience, just as I know what would happen if I let my son do what he wants to do. God protected them by giving them a stern warning of the consequences of their actions according to their level of understanding, meaning they knew better. But just as you and I, we have sometimes made wrong choices knowing full well that they were wrong choices. Should there not be consequences for wrongdoings? Now that we know that good and evil exist in our world, what should we do? How should we conduct ourselves? What choices should we aim to make? How should we view the consequences? As you sit and listen and make time to reflect on the questions mentioned, if you forget everything else you hear, please hear this. There is no one else in the world like you. You may look, sound, and even want to be like others, but there is no one and there will never be anyone in the whole world who is like you. You may not like some of your parts or maybe your past choices or life, but that does not make you any less special than who you are. People may even call you names such as useless, good for nothing, and may even tell you that they hate you and that you will amount to nothing. And all that is not true. Just because they say it, and you may even believe it, doesn't make it true. What's true is that your uniqueness is exactly what the world needs right now. It is in your weakness that God can make you strong. You're not just an ordinary collection of body parts. You're a highly specialized marvel of a masterpiece that someday you will understand. Pray that God shows you your worth so you may give that same worth to those around you. I love you all and God loves you infinitely more. Until next time, God bless.